All right, well, we're going to jump in. Um, I'm going to kind of continue on, I guess, a little bit from our Bible series, but I'm going to jump into something a little bit different heading into the Kingdom Culture course this week. And uh, I thought it would only be appropriate if we um, talk about the Kingdom. And, um, and it kind of, I guess, you know, going on from our Bible series, uh, what, you know, we can't just have good theology that leads nowhere. <laughs> Um, theology, uh, the study of God, or the study of the word or the scriptures should lead us into an intimate encounter with God so that we can actually outwork this thing called the gospel out in our everyday lives. And, uh, you know, we, we, we emphasize here, at least at Glory City, you know, we're human beings, not human doings, um, first and foremost. And so that, and that's true. And that's a reality. We place a lot of emphasis on our, on our identity in God and who we are in God, that we're, we're sons and daughters, that we're saints, that we're redeemed. But then out of that, we work outwork our salvation. And it's, it's, uh, sometimes you can go the other way and it can be imbalanced where it's, it's not, people say, oh, you know, it's, it's not about the doing, Liam, it's about the being. And I'm like, yes, that's true. But it's only true when it's not, we're not being, we're not doing, sorry, to become something. We're not getting our identity out of our performance or out of what we do for God. That's not, doesn't give us our identity. Our identity comes from we're accepted in the beloved and then we do what we do. Uh, but that doesn't mean we don't do anything. That doesn't mean the kingdom of God doesn't look like something. And, uh, and so, you know, James 1, I talked about it last week of, you know, we're not just hearers of the word, but we're doers of the word that we don't look into a mirror and walk away and forget what we look like. In other words, the, the context there is that we don't look into the mirror, realize who we are and walk away and not do anything about it. Um, the reality is that you and I have been given everything we need for life and godliness, Romans 5 that we get to rule and reign with Christ. And so the original mandate, and this, some of this is going to be a little bit of, uh, won't be new. It's, a, it's sort of a, um, a, 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 a base message for us, a culture message for us. But I want to kind of push the envelope a little bit further this morning and talk about some attributes of what the kingdom of God looks like uh, in, in outworking uh, to tangible realities of what the kingdom of God is. And, uh, you know, the reality is the, 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 the world around us should not affect the way that we live because the world within us is greater than the world around us. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And so, but yet we're called to love the world, right? So greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world, yet I'm called to love the world. And I believe that God wants to give the world to those who love not the world. He wants to entrust his kingdom and his domain in, uh, with us uh, to advance the kingdom, not so we can rule and reign over it and, and, and be an uh, overarching governance, but so that we can actually come to serve humanity and serve this planet well. And the original mandate in, in Genesis, he says to Adam and Eve, was to uh, go, and, go and, and multiply, be fruitful and multiply and go and subdue the earth. And, um, and so that was before the fall. And the idea is that we would co-reign with God. We, would, we are in a commission with God. We've been commissioned, commission, and we get to co-labor with God and we get to co-reign with God. 
And obviously he's Lord, obviously he's Saviour, obviously he's the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Uh, but but he's, he's, you know, the moment you and I got born again and got saved, we didn't get plucked out of here, we got left here. And why, did we, we, why are we still here? We're here to co-rule co and reign on planet Earth. And for a long time, um, I believe the emphasis has been on ministry, has been on, pul- on the pulpit and has been on worship, has been on being a pastor. Uh, and that, that's not, I, I don't want to say that that's um, bad or evil or wrong, um, but the reality is about 99% of us uh, in the church um, don't, don't ever come up on a pulpit and you have a job, you have a family, you have friends, you have social circles, you have all these different um, places of influence and that's where we're called to extend the kingdom of God. That ministry isn't a pulpit uh, or isn't just a pulpit, ministry is everywhere that we go. Uh, whether it's the cafe, whether it's our sporting club, whether it's our workplace, um, that we're actually meant to influence uh, all, these re- all these areas of society and we're meant to extend the kingdom of God. And so I want to read a passage of scripture, Isaiah 61 verse 9, uh, verse 4, sorry, Isaiah 61. Actually, we'll read from verse 1. This is a passage of scripture that we all know really well. So Isaiah 61 verse 1 says this, the Spirit of God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring the good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our God, to grant those who mourn in Zion, to them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit. Just encourage you, if you have a faint spirit right now, just begin to praise the Lord. Not for the faint spirit, but praise your, out, praise your way out of the faintness. Uh, garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they, who's they, us, may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Then verse 4 is our verse, that they shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastation of many generations. Jesus, when uh, one of the last things he said to his disciples was, go and make disciples of all nations. He didn't say go and make disciples in all nations. We know that's a part of it. That's obviously a, a, a given that we're to make disciples in all nations. Uh, go and preach to the entire world. Go and spread the gospel. But he said go and make disciples of all nations. In Luke 18, he says, um, Jesus says, He came to seek and save that which was lost. And uh, I, I know this, we know this, but... You know, God's heart is for people. God's heart is that people would be restored, that people would be reconciled to the Father, that people's nature would be transformed from a sinner to a saint, that, um, you know, that Jesus, he took upon the judgment of sin on the cross and that that would be restored. That's, that's uh, obviously a part of this and that's a, a huge part of it. 
Um, but then he said, go and make disciples of all nations. And he wants to restore that which was lost. Well, what was lost? What was lost in the garden? The, the go and be fruitful and multiply and subdue the earth. You and I are called to be fruitful and multiply. Some of you are doing that really well. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and we're called to subdue the earth. We're called to advance his kingdom. Um, I was looking up, I've got this Bible, uh, thanks to Lise, it's called the Infographic Bible. And uh, if you're a visual person or you like uh, visual graphs and uh, you know, data and all that kind of stuff, it's, it's awesome. The, the people that have done it have done a profound job. And there's one part in there that talks about the New Testament and the top five things that Jesus preached on. The number one is the kingdom. Number two is the Father of God. Uh, number three is faith. Number four, I think, is money. And number five is the devil. <laughs> and so those things, I think, are important for various reasons because the kingdom of God. But if you come to planet Earth and you're going to do ministry for three and a half years, you're going to be very particular about what you uh, talk about and what you emphasize and what you demonstrate and what you model. And Jesus modeled the kingdom of God. He said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. 106 times he mentioned that. And, you know, he said, go and make disciples of all nations. And uh, he, he mentions a number of times, if these signs had been done in these cities, these cities would have been with us today. And so it's God's heart. God's heart is for cities. Obviously, we know God's heart is for people. Don't, don't hear what I'm not saying. But God's heart is that we would influence and be, um, be lovers of, of our city. And that needs to look like something. And, uh, you know, uh, Lauren Cunningham, who was the, the founder of YWAM, and uh, um, Bill Bright, and uh, who's... Uh, oh, Christ with a mission, I think it was. I can't remember exactly who he was, but uh, what organisation he, he worked for. But they had this dream, and the dream was about the seven mountains. And, you know, the seven mountains being the arts, the entertainment, the education, the business, religion, families, media, and government. And that uh, we would influence not to rule and take over, but to serve humanity and serve it well. Everybody, everybody wants... King Jesus, they just don't realize it because they don't realize how good he is. And Isaiah 9 says that in the last days, everyone will stream to the mountain of the house of the Lord and he will be chief of the mountains. And uh, you and I have got the kingdom of God. Romans 14 says that the kingdom of God is not meat or drink, but righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So where's the kingdom of God? Inside of you and I. So what do you and I get to do? We get to go and demonstrate. Jesus said, as the Father sent me, I send you. Right? So you and I get to demonstrate the kingdom of God everywhere that we walk. And for a long time, the church has separated our ministry as this, what I'm doing right now, or worship, and then loving my family or doing work or having fun or um, uh, witnessing out there as not ministry. And, has, and we had this weird uh, dichotomy of sacred and secular. And in the Hebrew culture, there is no word for sacred. 
uh, for secular, sorry. There is no word for secular. There, everything is sacred. Everything is sacred, whether you love your family, whether you, uh, you know, are doing, having a party, whether you are um, loving your wife, whether you're working, whether you're plowing the field, whatever you're doing, you're doing it unto the Lord. And, and so I want to I um, unpack a little bit of, I've got about 12 things that I've written down that I, I really believe is kingdom culture, because everyone has a culture. Every, whether you're in your family, personal life, work life, everywhere has a culture. And we want to be people that are known by the kingdom culture, by the culture of the kingdom, that what is uh, in the kingdom realm would manifest on earth as it is in heaven. And, uh, and so, yeah, Let's, I've got some things here that I... Um, have written down whether we get through all twelve of these today. I don't think so, but we're gonna we're gonna try and at least get through um, at least get through five of these. So, hmm. I just wrote this down. It would be strange if we come together every Sunday. We did a pep talk, worshipped our King, but walked out the same and never entered the arena to play. Every one of us gets to play, John Wimber said. Every one of us gets to be ministers of the kingdom of God. And it would be a bummer if we, if we came, uh, you know, encouraged each other, equipped each other, worshipped our God and walked out there and looked the same as the rest of the world. We're called to transform the world. We're not called to echo it. We're not called to be a... Um, you know, a, a, uh, a reflection of it. We're called to transform it. We're called to be a, an ambassador of heaven. We, we're called to be counterculture, but we're called to be in the world and love the world. And, you know, I, I just want to encourage us or stir us up this morning um, that we, we, we would be so heavenly minded that we would be earthly incredible. <laughs> We would be so fixated on heaven that we would look. I was, we were just watching uh, Mark and Christine Greenwood uh, during the week and they were talking about how Glory City Brisbane are uh, adopting a police station. That they're praying that, they, that Christine went in and she um, baked a cake for the police officers at her local police station, went in, gave them a, a, a cake and just said, I want to thank you for what you're doing in this season and just bless you. And the, and the, the sergeant just was overwhelmed by the, the goodness and the kindness. And they just got to encourage them, you know, because police officers often just get slammed, you know, every time or they get, you know, you get, they pull you over and they, you know, you don't thank them for giving you a fine or whatever. And, and, and they encourage them. And, uh, and so what's, what's the point? The point is they're looking for ways to be counterculture. You know, I love what Andrew's put together with, you know, um, the uh, IGA and just looking to ways that we can serve our community and serve our region. And, uh, and the same can be in our workplace. You know, your boss can be giving you a hard time. How do we be kingdom culture in that environment when our boss is against us? <laughs> so number one. So what does a kingdom culture possess? 
God's heart is for cities. I just want to, one more point before we actually dive in. That's, that's the intro. <laughs> um, in scripture, you can generally tell the greatness of a city. You know, Jesus said, these, if these signs had happened here, the city would have repented and still been with us, right? Generally, you can tell uh, by the opposition that a city or a region is under, the, the greatness of God wants to infiltrate that city, right? And the same is with people. When there's an opposition of, you know, there's just brokenness and um, torment and the devil's just having a field day with people, Generally, I, I, when I see that in a person, say they've come from generations of broken lineage, I'm like, hey, God wants to restore that to a greater glory, right? Because that's just what he does. He's such a good father that he takes what maybe has been lacking in that person's life and he wants to bless them tenfold in that area and those areas that they've lacked, right? You know, so if, if you see... Um, you know, addiction to alcohol or addiction to drugs or whatever, God wants to restore that so great that those people actually become influencers of taking other people out of that, that very thing that they got trapped in, right? Because he's the, he, Isaiah 61, we read it, he's, uh, he restores us out of captivity, right? So he doesn't just restore us to equal playing field, he restores us to a greater level. And the same can be said for cities. When I, when I drive through certain regions and certain areas and people say, oh, that city's under the, under, so far under the demonic, I'm like, well, yeah, they might be, but praise God. God wants to restore that city. God wants to restore that region so that his kingdom would take, would take hold in that region and his kingdom and his presence would infiltrate that region. And so uh, I just want to encourage us that we wouldn't, when we look at a situation or a circumstance, you know, Daniel was able to look at Babylon and, and go, hey, God wants to do something with this city. Joseph was able to do that with Egypt. You know, Moses, that these people were able to look with the lenses of the kingdom, not just the lenses of the world. Hmm. All right, point one. What does the kingdom of God look like? I think the first attribute that we know the kingdom of God is advancing in an area or in a culture is that the goodness of God is evident. That the goodness of God isn't held within us, that the goodness of God is, is, is leaking out. It's God's kindness that leads people to repentance. It's God's goodness that starts to, with the foundation of Jesus is the truth about God, that when that becomes culture, when that becomes a reality in our church and in our families and in our homes, that we don't attribute what the devil's doing to God and we, we don't, we've got to be careful that we don't switch roles with God. <laughs> and we attribute things that, God, that the devil's doing to God. The devil is John 10, that he's come to steal, he's come to kill, and he's come to destroy. That God is, that come that we may have life and have it abundantly and have it to the full. 
And, and right now, there's a bunch, of, uh, a bunch of people that are attributing what the devil's doing to God, and that's not okay. It's God's kindness and his goodness that leads people to repentance. Now, what I'm not saying is that everything is permissible and everything is okay. No, uh, we've, got to be, we've got to start to learn how we can love people. Uh, I believe uh, a wise man called Jesus said yeah, <laughs> that we don't consider people according to the flesh anymore. Well, that might have been Paul, but Jesus said, love people. He said, love one another. They will know you're my disciples by the way you love one another, not counting people's trespasses against them, right? right? That doesn't mean if I love someone who's doing certain acts or certain sinful things that are going on in their world, that doesn't mean I agree with them, but I can still love them. We don't look according to the flesh anymore. And we've got to get this. So often the church, in the church, we're known what we're uh, against more than we're known what we're for. And, uh, I, you know, I'm not, ha I'm not saying don't have a stance on issues or don't have a stance on certain things, but we're called to love people. We're called to demonstrate the kindness of God and the goodness of God. And I might not agree with this person over here, but I'm called to love them. Oh, yeah, but Liam, you don't know how they treated me. Yeah, well, Jesus hung on a cross. He was killed by his own people. And he said, Father, forgive them. They don't have a clue of what they are doing. And uh, he, he was able to love sinners and tax collectors and people were attracted to him in such a profound way that I want to I I propose that the goodness of God, the kindness of God, the love of God has to be at the center of everything that we do and everything that we outwork. You know, you, you can have the greatest gifts, you can pray in tongues, you can do all of these things. If you do not have love, it profits you nothing, right? So love of God, the goodness of God, and, and let's, not, let's not switch roles with the devil and attribute things to the devil that are actually, uh, attribute things to God, sorry, that are actually the devil. Hmm. Jesus said he comes to heal the sick, to bind up the brokenhearted. For too long, the church has attributed sickness to God and we wonder why people aren't being healed. Because we're not fighting a good fight of faith to see people get set free. Hmm. It's why we place an emphasis on, these, on the testimony of God, of what he's doing and saying. It's not that we're burying our head in the sand and saying, well, you know, oh, the not bad stuff isn't happening in the world. No, it's just what we want to be declaring and putting on our lips and on our praises. What's God doing right now? I love the story of Peter in the boat where the fish load of, you know, he catches a fish and he drops to his knees and he says, get away from me, you sinful man. What's the point? The point is a boatload of fish brought about a repentant spirit in Peter that turned his face to the Lord. What if we were so kind and so representative of the kingdom of God in love in work and in deed, out in the world around us, that people are like, why are you paying for my groceries? Oh, because God's good. Why are you praying for me? Oh, I've got this father. 
He's extremely good. He's better than you think he is. And we need to change our mind on his goodness because it's the goodness of God that is the foundation of everything that you and I work out of. It's his love. You know, Jesus is the truth about God. In the last days, it was through the prophets. In these days, Jesus, uh, God has been revealed through his son. He's the visible image of the invisible God. We've got to change our mind on this. He's just extremely good. It doesn't, it's not that he's like, you know, with the prostitute, it wasn't like he was, he was saying, hey, prostitution is okay. No, but he loved her. He didn't throw stones. He embraced her and he said, hey, go and sin no more. All right. So the goodness of God. Second thing is his presence. His presence um, would become tangible in a region. That prayer, through prayer, through worship, through um, adoration, through taking risk. When we see uh, a person in need, a sick person or a person in need, or just to bless someone, what are we doing? We're releasing his presence. I was, um, I was just up at the storehouse a couple of weeks ago uh, talking with uh, one of the, the girls there and, and I was sharing a story because um, someone had, had given... I think it was like $200 worth of coffees to the storehouse and just said, hey, uh, when people come in, they get small coffees, just pass it on. You know, I was like, oh, that's awesome. What a great, that's a great idea. Great, you know, just blessing um, to just bless. Uh, one, it blesses the business and then it blesses other people. And I was reminded of a story in Reading where in, in America they have drive-through coffee. So you can just drive through, get your coffee and keep, keep moving. Um, and at Starbucks, most cafes have it. So, and uh, there was a story of, of where one person said, oh, I wanna pay for my coffee, but I wanna bless the person behind me with their coffee. So they paid for theirs, paid for the coffee. And then the next person came through who's just had their coffee paid for. And they said, um, oh, your coffee's just been paid for. And they said, oh, I'll pay for the coffee behind me then, right? So they kept, this went on for five hours where they, they kept paying for the coffee of the next person or that order of the next person behind them. And, uh, and that went on for five hours. What happened? I believe that when they, the first person that came, they, they brought about a spirit of generosity that when the people drove up to that, they experienced the generosity of that person and the spirit of generosity got on them. And they, they started to bless the people behind them. What's that? That's the presence of God actually infiltrating a region and an area to where they drive into that and they encounter the presence of God and the love of God. Most of us know this with the opposite spirit. We've all been, if I mention this in a church building or a setting, everyone's like, oh yeah, I know, I know what you mean. Where we've walked into a house or a, a, a shop or a cafe or something and we can feel the spirit of depression. We're like, oh, this doesn't feel good, right? Well, you and I carry the spirit of hope, freedom, joy, righteousness, peace. So when we walk into a place, we actually get to release that everywhere that we go. Jesus says, when you walk into a house, release the spirit of peace on that house. Jesus said that, right? That's in your Bible, okay? If you're like, oh, this is some weird new agey thing. No, that's in your Bible. Okay, so Jesus said, release your peace into that house that doesn't find a place to rest, have it returned to you. 
right? Peter's shadow healed people. (laughs) Peter was on his way to the temple. He was on his way to work, right? And his shadow was releasing the presence of God. The woman with the issue of blood was sick for 12 years. She touched the hem of of his garment, Jesus' garment, and she was healed. Jesus said, the spirit of God is in you like a river flowing to flow out. It's in you like a river church. It's not in you like a dam. It's not a bathtub that just sits dormant. It actually requires an outworking. So when you're out in public, when you're in your workplace, I love hearing stories from Kimmy just week in, week out. He's, he's uh, you know, telling us stories of, of what's happening in his workplace and, uh, and others as well are doing that. Just say, this person, I got to pray for this person or I got to love on this person or whatever. That we're looking, we're aware of the presence of God and we're looking for opportunities to bless. We're looking for opportunities to pray. We're looking for opportunities to encourage. Uh, people at work all the time at, at uh, where I work, they uh, they often say, "Why do you, you just constantly carry joy and constantly carry hope?" We even had someone uh, when I first started at uh, at where I work, they they said they were from uh, used to go to Glory City, Brisbane. They said, "I knew you were a Christian because of the hope and joy that you carried," and. Um, and, and that's encouraging. That's just the Lord, right? It's the Lord. It's the Spirit of God that we get to release. doesn't mean we're walking around our offices being like, oh, shangaranambari, you know. It doesn't mean we need to be uh, it, being weird about it, but we actually get opportunities to release the kingdom, right? And sometimes it is weird. Let's be honest. The kingdom, the Bible, this Bible people are like, oh, we, need, we can't be weird. Have you read your book? It's a weird book. I mean, Jesus plucked coins out of fishes' mouth and, you know, he did some weird stuff. He spat in someone's eyes and, I mean, he, he, you know, make sure if you do that, it's the Lord, right? Uh, Kim's like, no, nah, don't do that. Um, but his presence, he multiplied food. He walked on water. We have an opportunity to bless. I long for the day, and I really mean this, where where this becomes normal in our region. And I don't care about the name Glory City, right? You, you, I mean, we love Glory City. We love our church. We love the community we're a part of. It's an incredible community. But I care that the kingdom of God is advanced, right? That people in our city, in cafes would say, oh, every time someone comes in from your church, from Glory City, something shifts in the atmosphere. Jeez, they just bless these people. They just encourage, they tip them. You know, I, I know in America that's such a common thing to tip, but hey, why don't in Australia, why not when we're in a restaurant, we start tipping people and we change the atmosphere and the environment around us? Why don't we look to adopt a police station or adopt a school or adopt a neighborhood or adopt an area where we say, I'm, gonna, I'm here, so the presence of God is going to reside here and I'm going to let the presence of God leak out. So that's point two. Um, oh, just a good quote. You know you think differently about situation, situations when the impossible situations start to look logical. You know the renewed mind has taken root where impossible situations start to look logical. They start to look, because while they're supernatural things to us, they're natural things to God. It's natural to multiply food. It's natural to see families restored, 
That's the natural thing with God. With God, it's natural for the for the for the man who's possessed by demons to be set free. That's natural for God. It's our supernatural. It's His natural. In order for those things to happen, we need to take risk. We need to step out of the boat and and let God let us walk on water. Third thing. Uh, so number one, goodness of God. Number two, the presence of God. Third thing is we honor. The kingdom of God looks like honor. You know, if you honor a prophet in the name of a prophet, you receive a prophet's reward. That's not just talking about the man or the woman on the pulpit. Uh, I've said this multiple times in our church. Can we honor the, the stay-at-home mum the way that we honor the worship leader on a Sunday morning? Can we honor the butcher that cuts meat for a living the way that we honor the, the famous person, you know? Can we, can we learn to show honor for people regardless of the differences of their belief system and the way that they think? Or maybe, maybe they're left-wing politic- political party and you're a right-wing po- political party. Can we learn to honor them regardless of, of belief system? You know, Jesus didn't say love one another. Oh, well, unless they're this. No, he just said love people. (laughs) And honor is we value people for who they are without stumbling over who they're not. And that's what honor is. And, you know, love covers a multitude of sin. I love the story of Noah and and Shem and Ham and, and, you know, Japheth. They, you know, one uh, Ham, you know, just mucked it up and, and you know, didn't, didn't honour his father. And, and Shem and Japheth, they, they honoured Noah. Even though Noah had probably done the wrong thing, they covered him because love covers, love covers a multitude of sin. It doesn't expose brothers and sisters or people. It doesn't speak ill of them. Regardless, it's not excusing it. It's not saying, hey, that's because you've covered that. That means that's okay. And it's, it's, I'm not saying that we don't address things or we don't deal with things in our life and we don't say, hey, don't, that's not okay. But honour actually values that person and protects them. And honour actually sees the value with them. And we're not looking at them through the lens of the flesh anymore. We're looking at them through the lens of the spirit. And even if they're not a Christian, we actually see the value in them. We draw the gold out of them. Why? Because it's his kindness that leads them to repentance. <laughs> Jesus was able to see in the spirit the way that he sees people, the way that people were created for. And we're supposed to do the same. And we're supposed to honour people. We're supposed to honour the, you know, the, 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 the little old lady, the police, the doctors, these polit- the politicians, the men and women of God. We're, we're, we're called to honour. We're called to serve people. We're called, if you honour a prophet in the name of a prophet, you receive the prophet's reward. But there are things in people's life that people carry that you're not walking in right now that you need. And, it would, and there's people in your life that they're walking in that maybe it's generosity and you're not walking in generosity but you see something of of, in generosity in a person that you're like i want that start to honor them in it you don't have to you don't have to like go and promote them on billboards but in your heart you say i honor that in you that's incredible how you do that that's amazing you know you, you might it might make you uncomfortable but i honor it you know i love i'm going to just use this as an example it's just popped in my head but i I love the way Andrew Scarborough is just so passionate for the lost. And you might be like, oh, I'm not like that. Uh, and that makes me uncomfortable. But uh, it doesn't matter. You can honor it. 
when you start to honour the gifts and callings of God in individual people around you, I tell you, it starts to become infectious in your life because you honour it in someone else and you receive the reward that they've paid for. What, a, what an amazing thing in the kingdom. You honour a prophet, you receive a prophet's reward, right? You start to honour people in the way that God sees them and you start to get blessed by what they carry. That's a good deal. That's what that says. Ah, David honoured Saul, even though he, because he said, hey, I don't want to touch the anointed one of God, even though Saul was trying to kill him. The way we honour can bring about a breakthrough. The way we honour our boss, the way we honour our uh, people, our, the, the cashier at Coles. Kingdom of God looks like something, church. The kingdom of God looks like honour. Oh, I love this story. Peter cut the ear off, um, off the, the uh, guard trying to arrest Jesus. And what did Jesus do? He healed him. He didn't be like, oh, well done, Peter. Thanks for sticking up for me and fighting for me. <laughs> and he told him to bring swords. Jesus says, bring swords, right? And then Peter uses the sword and then he cuts the ear off. And then Jesus is like, what are you doing? <laughs> And Peter, you know, Peter would have surely been like, hang on, you told us to bring swords. And Jesus is like, yeah, I never told you to use them, right? Sometimes as Christians, we're cutting the ear off the people using the word, the sword. We're cutting people's ear off by the way we fight rather than the way we fight. Let's not cut people's ear off by bashing them over with the sword. Let honour and love be first. Number four, love. We will be known by our love, John 13. I've, I've mentioned that it ties hand in hand with the goodness of God, but um, we would be known by our love for one another. I'm going to move on. Uh, number five. I think that's number five. Goodness of God, presence, honour, love. Number five, joy. Oh, this is one of my favourites. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Who was the joy set before him? You and I. Jesus said, it says of Jesus in Hebrews that he had joy beyond his companions. Jesus was the most joy-filled man on the planet. And the kingdom of God is not meat or drink, but righteousness, peace and joy. I've seen joy offend more people than heresy. The joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Whoa, thank you, God. <laughs> he's, he's happy. He's happy. He's, it doesn't mean he doesn't, you know, grieve. He doesn't have, you know, have um, uh, anger. You know, he's slow to anger, all of those things. Yes, but he's joyful. He is full of joy. You know, what did, what did they do when this prodigal son returned? They chucked a party. <laughs> the kingdom of God looks like joy. There are too many Christians right now walking around like this. And I'm not saying you go, hey, it isn't challenging or it isn't hard and you're not truthful. But we're not dictated by our feelings and we're not dictated by our emotions. We're dictated by the, the truth about us, which is we are carrying the joy of the Lord. 
I often say this, that people say, how are you doing? I'm like, I cannot be bad. I've got the resurrected Jesus dwelling in my mortal body. It's a good day. Today's a good day. Tomorrow's a good day. I'm not saying that things around me don't get challenging and don't move me emotionally. No, but our emotions, we're not ruled by our emotions. Our emotions, are, um, you know, they're, they're good, but they're terrible masters. They're good servants, but terrible masters, right? We can't be dictated by our emotions. I've had days where I'm, I'm working and my emotions are running rampant and these thoughts are coming in. I should do this, I should do that. And I have to take a moment and say, Lord, you are my strength. Hang on, what's going on here? And I take every thought captive and I give it to Christ. And what happens? Things start to change. Why? Because if I was to make a decision or be moved by that emotion or that feeling or that thought, man, I'd do some terrible things. But those emotions are not me. Those emotions are not my identity. I'm rooted and founded in Christ and he's my rock and he's on who I build my, my trust and he's my stronghold and my fortress. And so I let him determine how I live, not my emotions and my feelings. And they're good. I mean, we should have compassion. We should feel sad. We should feel grieving. We should feel angry for certain things. Those are good things, but we don't let those dictate how we live our life, right? So the joy of the Lord is our strength. Um, Jesus turned water into wine for people who were already drunk at a wedding. Now, don't tell me it was grape juice. It wasn't grape juice, right? It was, it was wine, right? It was the last, usually they'd bring out the crap wine uh, last and, uh, or the bad wine, and they'd bring that out and they would serve that. And yet Jesus took the best wine and he served it last. What's the prophetic picture? He takes the natural and he breathes supernatural, but it was wine. Wine represents joy. Wine represents happiness. Wine, not from a worldly sense, that's not what I'm talking about, but from a kingdom sense, that regardless, if you have a lot or you have little, you can be filled with the spirit of joy, right? And I just want to encourage us, church, that joy is attractive to people. Uh, Psalm says laughter is good medicine. Right? Uh, even scientists and doctors have proven that we need to laugh more and have more joy in our life. And right now we're living in a world of depression and anxiety. And I'm telling you, the antidote is joy. I'm telling you joy. I'm not belittling anyone that's carrying anxiety and depression, but I'm telling you that Jesus wants to set you free from that. And one of the things is joy. Uh, often Shen and I will do this if we're having uh, times of like, oh, things are just a little bit flat. We will put on comedy shows and things that make us laugh because we want to let joy arise in us. Super spiritual, right? Um, so last one for today is, um, actually, we're just going to stop there. We're going to pause there. We're going to pause on joy. <sighs> <laughs> Andrew, laughter is never good medicine after abdominal surgery. <laughs> oh, praise God. Yeah. So number one, goodness of God. Number two, the presence. Number three, honour. Number four, love. And number five, joy. And uh, I've got another five or six here that um, we might go through next week or the week after, depending on when I'm on next. So, um but the, I, I wanted to encourage us that the kingdom of God actually looks like something. 
And we've been given everything we need for life and godliness, church. And all of these things, the goodness of God, the presence of God, love, uh, joy, honour, they require an action. They require doing. They requ require stepping out in faith and letting the Spirit of God back it up. You're never going to see someone get healed unless you pray for them. You're never going to encourage anyone with a kind word unless you open your mouth and actually talk to them. You know, people often quote Francis of Assisi. Uh, he didn't actually say that, you know, when necessarily, uh, you know, always do good and when necessarily necessary, use words. Um, the gospel is a declaration. We need to declare. Francis of Assisi actually never said that. And, you know, we need to actually preach the gospel. We need to actually declare it, not just like Jesus, da, 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 but we need to actually love people. And that requires action, doing things, and it also requires words. It's not one or the other. We need to honour people. We get to do this. We get to be a part of this. We get to co-mission with God. We get to co-labour with God of seeing the kingdom of God outworked so we can rebuild the ancient ruins. So we can restore. And who does it say in Isaiah 61? It says the spirit of the Lord is upon us. The spirit of God is upon us to actually outwork the kingdom of God. I pray that we don't get to heaven one day and we realize everything we had and needed for life and godliness was given to us to outwork the kingdom of God. And we just kept it out of fear of man out of fear of persecution, out of fear of political correctness, out of fear of what people might think of me, out of fear of whatever, right? People often say, well, Liam, what if I step out and it doesn't happen? Hey, if love's at the centre, love wins. <laughs> you can't go wrong when you're just loving people. I've been spat at, I've been sworn at, I've been abused, I've been chased away, I've been all kinds of things. I could tell you so many stories, but the, the fruit and what I've seen come out of just stepping out, overcoming my fear, stepping over the chicken line. Why? Because it's no longer I who live, it's Christ who lives in me and he's in me like a river. And I'm in this city and I want to see my city transformed and it needs to look like something. And I believe God's going to release. I believe there's a grace that's going to be released to individuals right now upon um, strategies of how we can love our city well of how we can be a blessing, not just Glory City, but individually in the churches in our region, of how we can see in this, in this pandemic, in this season, how the church can arise and shine and people would stream to them out into the house of the Lord, that we would see education, the arts, the science, businesses. Uh, there's a, uh, I believe there's a prophetic uh, uh, decree of entrepreneurs and uh, creative people right now that the Lord just wants to say permission to dream, permission to dream with the Lord and, and go ahead and, and let your gift uh, flow out of you and come up with creative ideas uh, to see you know, people thrive in life and g give them jobs and give them opportunities. So thank you, Lord. Well, I'm going to just pray for joy because I feel the spirit of the Lord on that. I'm going to pray that joy would... Uh, would be rampant in your home. It's a serious business, Joy, in the kingdom. 
It's a serious business. <laughs> it's uh, God's very passionate about it. He, he loves parties. Every time someone comes to the Lord, he throws a party in heaven. He just loves it. He loves, loves, loves it. And so I just pray right now that the spirit of joy, the joy of the Lord would become people's strength right now where maybe people have struggled with anxiety or depression or feelings and emotions. Right now, joy would just invade people's homes, God. You would send the word. You would send the word, God, the wine of heaven, the spirit of heaven right now would come into people's homes, would invade them. That we wouldn't be ruled by our feelings or our emotions, that we would acknowledge them and say, yes, they're real, but we would take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. God, in your kindness and your presence right now would invade our areas right now. God, I pray for people who are sick in body that they would be healed right now. I pray for uh, our hospitals, God, that they would be emptied. Our hospitals would be emptied, that this, this virus would be eradicated in Jesus' name. God, that people who may be struggling financially, I just pray that, God, you would bless them, that you own a cattle on a thousand hills, that you're the provider, you're Jehovah, you're our provider. Thank you, Lord. We thank you for the testimonies of what you're doing in people's lives. And we just pray right now that your love would comfort people and would compel people to go out and actually share the love that they've been given. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, church, bless you guys. Have a great week. Join us today at 4 o'clock, 4.30 as well. We've got a prayer meeting for an hour if you want to just, Matty Pilcher's leading it and uh, we're just going to be praying together. We had a great time last week and uh, it was just, yeah, it was profound last week. It was awesome. And, um, and then join us tomorrow, 7.30 for Kingdom Culture. Sign up. Uh, if you can, just so we know numbers and, and everything like that. And um, yeah, we look forward to seeing you soon. Bless you. Bye-bye.